welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation site. This is John Suntress. From changing the roster of the Avengers to wiping out the mutant population in House of M, Brian Michael Bendis continues to set new directions for the Marvel comics he writes. Bendis' debut on Ultimate Spider-Man was a touchstone book, symbolizing Marvel's resurgence of popularity, and he remains at the top of the industry's favorite writers. Brian's comic success has caught the full attention of Hollywood. David Fincher is set to direct an adaptation of the crime comic Torso, co-created by Mark Andreco. Frank Oz will direct Powers, co-created with Mike Oming. And Brian has begun work on the screenplay for Jinx, to be produced by and starring Oscar winner Charlize Theron. Our conversation begins with a look at Bendis' six-year run on Daredevil, which wrapped up at the end of January. Let me start by saying, great job on Daredevil. Excellent finish. Thank you. Did you get a chance to see the last issue? I did. Yay. And I know you've said you couldn't have written that ending had it not been for Brubaker agreeing to pick up where you leave off. Absolutely not. Yeah, it was It was all, Ed. It was an idea on the table for like a year ago, and I was like, ah, we, I, can't go, I can't go there. That's fair to the next guy, you know? And, um... And then, and then here comes Ed, and I mean, they start talking, and then it just, it just grooved perfectly. And I was like, I want to do that. And he was so we were good. He gets to tell really unique Daredevil stories. So. And it's a great team to follow, which, you know, you guys are a tough act to follow. You and Malief have been no, I was, fantastic. I've been a fan of Michael Lark. We, me, Michael Lark and uh, me and Ed, we were all at Caliber together years ago. Like, for years and years we've been together. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, this is this is actually a great thing for me as a fan of Daredevil. I want to read the book now, so I'm ex- I'm excited. And I was even going to yeah. say, it's funny you say that you, you do put Matt in a tough spot. We won't spoil, but it's funny compared to say where Miller left things for Anasetti with Born Again. I mean, you well, know, yeah, sling and hash. About that. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I know the, the person who edited that, and we we talk about this a lot. And if you really read the end of Born Again, he ended the series exactly. It says the end. You know, Matt lives happily ever after the end. There's, there's no Daredevil to Matt, the end. And then it, you got years of people just going, abba, 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 what do I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I thought, you know, in the grand tradition of Stan and, and those who came before us, it was better to do something that opens up new kinds of stories other than just making it insanely difficult. I will say that when I leave Ultimate Spider-Man, I will be chopping his arms and legs off so Kirkman can uh, (laughs) figure a way out of that himself. I'm not going to help him. The ultimate Bob. That's good. (laughs) I like that. You know, um, know, I did well. I loved when Aaron Sorkin left the West Wing. mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're a fan of the West Wing, but it was phenomenal. The president has to step down. The daughter's kidnapped. The vice president leaves in disgrace. Hey, you fix it next time. It's hilarious. <laughs> it was great. It was great. If you're going to do it like that, do it all the way, you know? Well, are you going to leave the pulse in the same kind of condition? Um, kind of. Yeah, the pulse is going to continue over into New Avengers, starting with the annual and, um, and, and, then, and then into the regular series, so... I'm kind of I'm kind of taking Jessica with me. Okay, because yes, yeah. and I and I know uh, Paul Jenkins is bringing his reporter character into the pulse. Yeah, he's got he's got an entirely unique take. Um, pretty excited about it. I, I love Paul. I think Paul's great. So I'm very excited to see what he does. I'm not taking Jessica away from him. I just kind of had plans for her, and he didn't have any plans for her. So uh, Jessica and Luke uh, continue in the pages of New Avengers and in other places. There, there's plans. Afoot, there's some you know early early talks about doing some alias specials and stuff like that. So oh, that's great because yeah, I, I, yeah that, that that's always in the talks as soon as there's some free time. So well, and the pulse you know was an is a neat idea, and I'm I'm glad they got a newspaper person like yourself to do it. The fact that you did work in a newspaper and yeah, and I really uh, yeah, feel I like I did work in a newspaper, but call myself a newspaper person, having so much respect for newspaper people is quite a stretch. So I, I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. I know. Where you're coming from? I did haven't worked at a newspaper, but uh, newspaper people are, are a very unique blend of uh, of writer and, and adventurer that I could not begin to call myself. So. Okay, well, but you certainly spent a lot of time in news, more time in newsrooms than an average writer. I certainly felt good writing about the place from my point of view, and you know, based on all those characters, on people that I know, basing them really on people that some some comic book people know. My Ben Urich was uh, Mike San Giacomo. Oh, that's interesting. Who writes for the Newsarama and some other places. But, yeah, Phantom um, Jack, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, that's very yeah, funny. I mean, he's, he's an investigative reporter that I've known for years and years, and kind of based the whole character on him. 
That's very interesting. Or my interpretation of the characters. Well, I was going to say, though, it's, it's, it was a little disappointing that you're leaving after really only three stories. I know it's been over two and a half years. Well, I have been on the book for 45 issues over a five-year period. It's not, you know, it's not a complete abandonment. And, I, you know, in both series brought Jessica. Oh, I see. It's completely unique places where you go, okay, yeah, that's it. I'm very glad. We were going to end it with 13, but um, Gatiss convinced me to stay for one more issue to tell it's one last story of some things that we never addressed about her past. Okay. And I'm really glad we did that. Boy, oh boy, because that issue just came out better than I, I think anything that I've been working on this year. So talk about a happy accident. It really just came together fantastic. So You know, it's funny. I, I think kind of like in the 60s that they had to have Kurt Swan like, redo the heads of Superman and everywhere that he appeared. You almost need Gatos to hang out <laughs> with you to paint Jessica everywhere. You know, it's weird. I, I kind of like these different interpretations of Jessica that are slowly popping up. But you know what was even weirder? Like Jessica popping up in Young Avengers drawn by Michael Gatos. Yes. <laughs> he did the special. And I, and I I guess I didn't realize that was happening. And I, I totally approve, not that he needs it, but I totally approve of her use in Young Avengers. And uh, But I, I, just, I guess I didn't realize that Gatos was drawing pages in that. And I opened it up and it was bizarre. Now I felt I was being cheated on. Now you're violated. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird, man, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what's coming up in the Illuminati. Yes. Interesting that you're putting people together that haven't really been directly associated before. Well, actually, they all have. I mean, you know, over the course of, you know, the decades and decades of Marvel history, almost everyone has run into each other at one point. But Individually. The, you know, of course, Reed and Namor have a history, and Dr. James's history with everybody, and Reed and Black Bolt have a history. So everyone kind of does have a history, but most of the connection stems out of where these characters are in the Marvel Universe, basically at the end of the Kreskel War, which was, I think, the most defining event in Marvel comics. I've been studying this a lot. We talk about like where the Ultimate Universe is now versus where the Marvel Universe was, mm -hmm. you know, six years into it. And about the same time, Marvel created the Kreskel War, which is the first event. It wasn't just guest stars. It was like, this event is affecting everything. Absolutely. And if you read it, you go, wow, the humans were affected on one level. Fantastic Four was affected on one level. The Avengers obviously affected on a huge level. And you think about like the aftermath of something like that. What would a futurist like Tony Stark or Reed Richards see as you know, the future or what, what they could have done to avoid that? And uh, that's where the idea of the gathering comes from when you read the special i think you'll be surprised about what tony hopes to get out of that meeting versus what they did get out of the meeting you yeah. know what i mean like like the illuminati wasn't the initial idea so there was something else he was going for so that will be addressed and then you get to see the how the illuminati came together and you get to see namor be a total a-hole trying not to swear <laughs> you can swear i should have told you that at the beginning you can swear all you want because this is about when he was at his most a holeish You know what I mean? He was the tip-top a-hole around uh, after the Crucible War. So, we, uh, so that was fun to write, actually, to be honest with you. That's cool. And um, uh, then you also get to see them fall apart. You get to see them fall apart over the events that bring about Planet Hulk, and you get to see them completely fall apart over the events that bring about the Civil War. And beyond... So the beginning and an end. But be Alex Malie's drawing in a, a style... Uh, very European, very unlike what he's done on Daredevil. Uh, all hand-drawn, no photo reference. Oh, cool. Um, completely unique um, line work, and it's just very beautiful. And I've, I've never seen him so excited. And, um, you know, just you know, now that we're done with Daredevil, there's Alex who can do so many different things, able to express himself in all these different ways, which is, which is exciting. Once you set kind of, kind of a tone on a book like Daredevil, kind of got to keep it, you know, and you vary from it for different parts of the story, but you don't want to, you don't want to be too jarring to the point where you're upsetting the storytelling process. No, I understand it, especially and, those and, volumes. And here, here we are with new projects, you can do new things. Sure. Yeah. And, and no, He's every... He's an amazing painter and a, and a printmaker, so he gets to express all these ideas as an artist. Well, and the experimentation he showed in Daredevil was amazing, and it does have a distinct look that carries from volume to volume. Yeah, um, and it yeah, was but, also, but there was always that base, you know what I mean? Sure. There was always that, that base look to build off of, but now he can go a little crazy, which I'm very excited about. Well, and he showed some interesting experimentation, I think, specifically in the Golden Age story as well. 
Golden Age and Decalogue. And Decalogue. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. agree with that, yes. Yeah. Well, how would you compare his new stuff to, like, your Sam and Twitch years? Oh, you know, it's funny, because I just looked at that recently, because they're, they're going back to, uh, they're going to finally make collections. I saw that. Out of the, out of the Sam and Twitch whole line is going to be made into uh, collections in color, finally, after years and years. Next month, I'm apparently. I'm happy about But I haven't looked at that stuff literally since it got printed originally. So I took a, took a peek at it. I was very um, I, I'm very amazed how much Alex has grown because I was so in love with it back then as it was. But he's, he's, <laughs> he's so much better now, and I, I didn't think he needed any improvement then. I thought it was perfect then. And have, has he already started working on Spider Woman, which I know is you know still months yep, ahead? Yep, we're um, we're we're gonna Spider Woman's probably we're gonna we're gonna wait till after Civil War because uh, the book has a unique spin on the Marvel Universe that is directly affected by Civil War. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start early so he can get a lot of head start and have fun with it. Uh, we totally know what we're gonna do with it, but um, he's finishing up Illuminati now and then. Uh, it's right into Spider Woman, but, but we all we talk about is Spider Woman like like idiots all the time. That's cool, and I and I do want to even talk about uh, the Luna Brothers miniseries as well because issue two is out. But let's talk about Civil War while we're on the subject. So are you are you one of the principal writers then on Civil War? No, Mark is the principal writer of Civil War. Okay, um, I'm, being, it, it directly affects um, all of the characters in New Avengers as it as it directly affects so much of the Marvel universe, but. Um, I think of all the books, Avengers is the one that, that and, and those core characters are the ones that's going to have the most rippling effect of. So I'm very involved in the planning process, and you know, and, and giving you know, given whatever advice I can give along the way, just as um, I took from everybody when I was doing House of M. You know, you you come up with the basic story, but hey, a good idea is a good idea from anywhere it comes from. Sure. So, and everyone who did those miniseries or whatever, everyone uh, applied interesting spins on the stuff that that helped the book you know joe Quesada and peter david and any anyone so um it's i'm just there to you know cheerlead mark and i'm just totally psyched that's cool well, from an yeah, yeah, and i'm a huge mcniven fan absolutely yeah, just just the biggest having just worked with them and seen the first issue already i'm like oh i can't wait for this on a primordial geek level <laughs> as an outsider just a reader it seems like writing a big event or, or arc is, you know, kind of a meat grinder in not only execution, but all the shit you have to take, quite frankly, you know, from, from readers and stuff like that. So you've had two big events now. You know, how, how do you feel? I mean, are you, you know, what is it... This, what was the other event? Well, disassembled, I would say. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I found it to be um, a great experience. First, it was interesting to just have to, you know have to involve yourself with all the writers at Marvel, mm -hmm. you know, from people that you've known for, you know, known their work for years and years, like Chris Claremont or Peter David, to people I didn't know at all, like Daniel Way, and, and uh, just having to get on the phone with them and, and, you know, and you know work it out, that was a lot of fun, you know, just because it was so not the way I write. Writing is very singular and very lonely, you know sure, what I mean? Sure, sure. And so it was, it was great to just get on and try to keep yourself as open as possible to, to everyone's ideas because it, I was very hyperly aware of the stories of the history of comics. You know, like after the original crisis, you still hear all these stories about how half the writers didn't like it. They didn't help, you know, when it was over. They tried whatever they could do to sabotage <laughs> the new DC universe. I mean, you, you read any article. I'm not talking out of turn here. Not at all. Not DC, but you read any article about this era of comics, and they all, you know, Marvel Wolfman tells you to this day. He goes, yeah, half the people wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do, they ignored us, yep. you know. So it just got more and more confusing. And, and I was like, well, let's, let's not create a situation like that. Let's, let's have everyone feel good about whatever they're doing and not feel forced or not feel bullied into doing anything, you know what I mean? Let's, let's make sure everyone's getting to tell a story they want to tell or, you know, are given enough chance to just, wrap up whatever they want to do and you know what i mean no i do so i was i was really grateful to marvel that i did ask for that i go can we make sure no one's being bullied into this and that's why a lot of the stories were also miniseries as opposed to like in the main book so yeah. that way you know no reader was being forced you know into anything but all the stories could still be told and that worked out well for everybody i was really happy that everyone stuck to the guns on that too because sometimes greed can set in, and but it, it, it didn't. Everyone was cool. So that aspect of it was great. And as far as the uh, fan reaction meat grinder, 
that's been going on since I got to Marvel. And, <laughs> and you know what? And, and it's yeah. like any criticism, you sit there, you listen to all of it, and you, you, you got to be really honest with yourself. And some of it really does apply. And you go, okay, that's, you know, good point. And then you think about that. And other times people are just, I don't know what they're mad about. They're not oh, mad yeah. at me. They're mad about something else, you know. You try to you just take it all in. Did you think a lot that, of times you see people online they always give you their uh, oh, their agenda? I'm at your board all the time. You know that, and I and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. so my, my, my board's a little a little uh, even though they have their moments. <laughs> well, and they love no, and they love you, and it, that's fine. It's your board, and that makes sense. But no, I yeah, I, but not, not even just me, but about anybody. It's pretty pretty good community of like right thinking. Yes, kind of comic fans that aren't hysterical about anything. You know what I mean? They're just <laughs> discussing comics and love comics. I mean, there's hysteria about anybody or anything. There's some guys that, I, you know, sometimes you think that you're the only one getting beat up on, and then you talk to another comic creator. I won't name names because I, I don't know if he wants me to name But there was another guy who I thought never got dumped on just because I don't read every damn thing about him. You know what I mean? And, and I was saying something like, you don't know what it's like. And I get, you know, if I say the word Hawkeye, people just start throwing crap at me. And, and, the, and the guy said to me, he goes, you really think I'm not crapped on? I'm crapped on all day. I'm like, oh, it's so funny, you only read the stuff about you, so, yeah. you know. You know, but, uh, well, it's okay. But, uh, listen, I love the Internet, and I love the comic fan community, and I'll tell you why. It's the best thing to stop us from sucking, because if you, if you actively involve yourself in the community, like I have and Mark and Jeff Johns and some other people, it's just hosting a community. It just, it just, you know they're there, and if you suck, they will tell you. There's no escaping the fact that you did something bad. So it really makes you not do something bad. It really does on a, on a, on a, on a, just a, just a 10 minutes I spent tonight posting Lindsay Lohan crap or whatever yes. I did tonight. <laughs> if you, uh, it just being there and, and, and now tonight I'm, you know, I'm going to spend the night after we're done talking, writing some Ultimate Spider-Man. I know that subconsciously, on top of the, uh, of, of not wanting to suck because my name's on it and not wanting to suck because my kid's going to read it one day. I won't suck because I know I'll hear it from them, and I can't escape it. So it does, and, and no other co- comic book generation had this. This You're right. worldwide community of instant feedback. Yes. Talk to some of the guys that like generation before us, like even from the '80s or something. Yes. Bill Sienkiewicz told me that he had no idea he was like well loved or famous or so influential because how would he know? They get a couple letters, and he goes on the next issue. And we were well at home going, oh, my God, he's amazing, oh, my God. But there was no way to know. Exactly. And now you hear, you hear immediately, So can whether you, you are or not. <laughs> no, can you point to a, um, an area of criticism that you're like, hey, you know something, I never really thought about it that way, and changed anything that you do? Well, most of the stuff, once it's, it's already written before you even hear about it. You know what I mean? Certainly. Like no, but I'm saying for future projects. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think about all the time. Like, you know, there's all, you know, you always think about decompression and, and, and the other things that I'm, you know, lavishly accused of. Or uh, <laughs> Two big ones are, uh, you know, decompression and, and um, character voices. Yeah, I think about it all the time. Okay. Was and it- what's funny about decompression is 90% of the time, I think I've crammed the issue full of stuff. Like, I think I handed in, I go, woo, this one's packed, you know what I mean? Woo, because I had it, like, it was a 36-page script, and I don't cut it out. I keep everything in, I just whip, I just whittle it down so it can all fit in, because I know where that issue's going to end, and I'll get it all in. I won't take anything out. And I cram it all in, and then the issue comes out, and someone goes, decompress. I'm like, really? That <laughs> <laughs> was like a double-sized issue in one issue. And as far as the other stuff goes, you know, I just have... I have, I'm not saying I know the answers, but I, I have, like, strong theories about pushing the narrative of comics further and, you know, sidelining a lot of what was, you know, cheesy exposition and, and just, you know, bad writing and pulling the whole medium forward from, the, you know, on a, on, a, on a corporate mainstream level, taking it as far as it could go, as far as making a legitimate source of, pop culture literature and not just being retro and you know just telling a story the same way Roy Thomas told it because that's you know I love Roy Thomas you know right just taking it further and I and I and I and I know that doing that you're just going to upset some people and I, and I, I guess I'm just I'm okay by doing that I'm not trying to upset people at all that's that it's not ever I, I'm not sitting here writing going this is piss them off <laughs> <laughs> no I, I really am trying to give 
anyone I can get my hand, hands on, their money's worth for the honor of them buying one of my comics. It's just an honor to me that you would even think about buying something that I wrote, you know? So I'm trying to, for that money, give you something more than what came before or take it to the next level. Like, I think it's our obligation to take whatever it is that comics are a step further because it's our, you know, if I've been giving, if it's my turn to write a comic, that should, that should be part of my agenda as a storyteller, to take it to the next step, not just regurgitate old, old school stuff. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so that, I mean, so that's what I think about. So do, do I do it right all the time? Do I have all the answers? No, no, but, but that's the attempt. And, you know, and especially like when I took over Avengers, I said, you know, I think there's a way to apply some of the stuff, some of the philosophies to a team book, and you know, which is the glorious, the most glorious of, of, of superhero mainstream comics is the gathering of the heroes, you know? Mm-hmm. And let's, let's, let's try to apply some of these theories to that, you know? And, uh, and when you do that, it just it takes a while for, for people to, you know, groove in there, especially when they've been raised with that certain type of storytelling technique that's always applied to that kind of comic. So you try it, and, and you read, and you listen, and then, and then slowly you see people coming around. You, you see even some people that were bashing the crap out of you so badly you remember their names, <laughs> you know. And then, uh, and then slowly you see them kind of caring about the characters more than they thought they were going to and stuff like that. So kind of just got to let the work, you know. No, I hear you. Would you say that? Uh, would you say that your New Avengers stories are really one big story? This would be my observation that has led me to start reading New Avengers more in trades rather than single issues. It seems like it's one big story because it you seems know, like we and, get to and, the and end. It will continue to be, but I, I think that all comics are one big story. And that's Gene Stanley. Stan never ended a story. That's true. I mean, there was never an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that said the end. It was always, oh, now the werewolf's here. You know, it, it, it just, you know, it just kept going. Well, to cross, and across different companies, it was almost that Paul Levitt's method that I've read about uh, in Denny O'Neill's script writing book, which I thought was interesting, in that he, plant, he plants, you know, there's the A plot, the B plot, and the C plot. Mm-hmm. And, and slowly the B plot's, you know, factors rise to the top. It becomes the A plot, and the C moves up to the B slot. I guess well, that's also, that's, that's been going on for centuries. Sure, sure. You know, I, but I absolutely agree with that and, and do that all the time. And, and you kind of kind of also, on top of having your A plot and B plot planned, you kind of got to be organic with it. You kind of got to let the, um, you got to let the characters take over a little bit and not be scared of it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, like even like, like, Civil War wasn't part of my plan, even. You know what I mean? I had mm-hmm. something else going on. But Civil War happens, and I'm like, I love it because it does change all my plans, but at the same time. But that's what happens in life. You, you start your day thinking you're going to have a certain kind of day, and then life happens, and you have a different kind of day. You know? So I, sure. I, like, I like to allow that to happen, the, um, let life happen to the characters on top of whatever um, fanciful imagination you have planned for them. Okay. Yeah. But as far as... The bigger picture, yeah, there is, there is a bigger story, and there is a, there is a bigger theme. Um, and sometimes, you know, even like on Daredevil, that was a five-year story. It was, but I would even say each each arc really was contained. You know, Underboss, I would say, and the, and the arc after that were definitely, like, linked. Or I should say maybe even all three. The more that I think of, all right, the hell with it. You're right, it's all linked. <laughs> <laughs> well, but again, it's a, but, uh, but it, it's, it's a unique experience because an individual issue has enough story to be its own story and then the arc has enough story to be its own story and then the run has enough story to be its own story so it's, it's completely dependent on the reader's habit and how they want to read it you know there's, there's all that well and their preconceived notions too. Of, and i don't care i don't care if you read them backwards <laughs> you know because I mean? it's a very unique experience that that intimates the reader with the paper in their hands part of it you can't control as a storyteller that's very interesting to me. That, that great X factor. I've, I've talked about this online a little bit, where like even like someone has bad shrimp, and then they read an issue of your book, and then they hate you because <laughs> they're coming here while they're reading it, and you can't control it. You know? Sure. Yeah. No, or, I agree or with the that. Opposite, or the opposite. They just have like the best sexual experience of the life. They're sitting on the can reading all the Spider-Man. They go, "This is great." Meanwhile, it's terrible, but they don't know they're happy. <laughs> My bowel movement has dictated this to be a great this episode. Is, yes, exactly. <laughs> 
It's happened to all of us. Hey, don't kid yourself, I've absolutely. The, I've been on the toilet with a book that everyone told me was a great book, but because I have bad shrimp, I don't even want to finish this book. <laughs> I like that. Um, well, it's interesting because... You, you should ask me what book it was, but I won't die. No, I won't, no, that's all right. You don't have to out anybody. That's okay. Right. I'm sure it was by Millar. Well, it's interesting because I've, you know, I've heard Cassandra trying to explain that each each single issue can represent an act like a an episode of a TV series, and I can appreciate that in theory. But it seems sometimes, specifically with your work, and again, one of the reasons why I've switched to trades, they read beautifully in trades, and I'm not just saying that they do. That's why I keep buying them. But I, I would say that sometimes it is more like, as opposed to it being a single episode of a, of a TV series, it's almost like a single act of like this a commercial break. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and sometimes that I see, sometimes that could be the case, and then I could point to like ten things I've done this month. We go, oh well, that yeah, that's not that doesn't apply. No, yeah, and you're right, man. Because no, like example, your final Daredevil arc. You're right, man. You shoved a ton of shit in there, and every issue of that last arc was boom. Oh my god, I can't believe all that happened. I can't wait till the next one. And it was and it was a satisfying thing. Awesome. You're absolutely right. You know, it's and and and, and there there lies some of the frustration that. When I see people arguing about it online, where someone will say something about you know decompression, and someone will point out like Ultimate Spider-Man Annual or something, and then it's hard to like argue because I do do things that could be that does hold it, that that argument is legitimate, like you know, but then all like the next day I won't. No, I agree. And Ultimate Spider-Man again, was beautiful. It depends yeah. on the it depends on the story, and depends on the characters that are having the story happen to them, you know what I mean, that, that dictates the pacing of the story, and there's no set way I, I do things, and I don't have, like, a, a formula that I hold to, and go, okay, well, this will happen here, and this will happen here, and this will happen here, you, you, I know where I'm going, and I, and I let the characters take me there. Is there room with, in the monthlies? You. Okay, is there, is there yeah. room in the monthlies, though, for a one-shot like your Ultimate Spider-Man annual? Because you're right, you, you clearly can do, I do it. it all, yeah, I honestly, man, I do it all the time. Not, like there's an issue of uh, New Avengers coming out tomorrow that is a, a single issue, and really the issue before that was a single issue. Okay, you see, and I and I kind of took it as this is the way these stories are being told in groups, yeah, and that's why no, I held on. That's that's part of the the razzle dazzle of show business is that you want to <laughs> every time someone thinks that's what you're going to do, you, you go the other way. You know. You know, I hear you, man. Everyone assumed the book was going to be wall to wall Spider-Man and Wolverine. Yes, Even they did. On that level, and then you go, no, see, it's not, you know. So. No, I hear you. No, I appreciate yeah. that, man, and I and I and, and. and I appreciate what you're saying too. But here's the thing: I know too. you do. I don't care if you read them all in trades. I don't care if you download them. I don't care. You just, just want us to read them. them. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's and that is that's yeah. the that's the good news. Obviously, no, I am absolutely reading them, and it yeah, does. I, I mean, and especially and the I, I've, stuff. I'm that. a big trade guy too. Um, I'm not writing for trade. Um, I'm actually a big fan of the cliffhanger. You know, a big, mm-hmm. big fan of Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. I think it's a a lost art to a lot of books. And that, is, and that in itself is the gloriousness of, of the single issue. Very cool. Well, and, you know, honestly, this is not just you. I've asked this question of McDuffie and, and a bunch of other guys recently as well, and it's not so much decom- not Honestly, man, you weren't even slightly hurt my feelings with this. No, and again... Again, again to, to, to... Not to repeat, but it, it, there's no right answer. That's no, I understand. Too, that's a... Like, we, I, we could talk about this all day. There's no right answer. I'm not right. You're not right. There's no right answer. Absolutely right. And I no, yeah. I, I appreciate the candor. As you write all these hero books, do crime ideas still, new crime ideas keep coming into your head, and are you writing notes? And have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's kind of, I would imagine, as a creative person, it must be tough because you are well, tied you know, to what you're funny. working in. Superhero comics are, by definition, crime comics. There's always a crime of some that's sort true. happening. So there, there is, and a lot of my um, self-taught crime writer brain does apply that um, does apply whatever that is into the superhero comics okay. all the time, sometimes without even realizing I'm doing. It, you know, so yeah, it's always there. But yeah, there, there there is quite a couple. There's quite a few projects that are, you know, quote unquote crime comics or crime stories that I'm developing as as we go. So I'll definitely do. I, I love it. You know what I mean? No, and I, obviously you've got a big audience for that, and I wonder how many more superhero fans who have read your work want to go back and reach for Jinx, Torso, Goldfish. Yeah, a lot of it this week. I mean, even with just announcing David Fincher directing Torso, I yes. know there's a big movement on Torso trades, and 
So that was nice because anything that gets anybody to read it, it's, it's fantastic. But uh, and that's I think the most rewarding thing about all this um, Marvel stuff that has gone so much further than I thought it would go is um, people's willingness to pick up black and white graphic novels, and sometimes it's the only one they've ever picked up. You know. Sure. Um, and 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 and, it, and then it being a bridge to going, oh hey, you know, I kind of like this experience of reading something like this and going on to read other things. So that was quite a bonus that I never would imagine coming. People saying, you know, I never even tried an independent comic, but because I liked Ultimate Spider-Man, I bought Jinx, and I went, oh, screw it, I'm going to buy a bunch of Oni books. And I was like, yay, that's, all, that's awesome. You know? Absolutely. You know, I missed your guys' whole caliber run, all of you guys, because I think back in the 90s, yeah, I was stuck did. in superheroes. You know? <laughs> well, you know, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were sitting there at a table at a convention going, Wow, everyone's missing it. <laughs> Everyone else seems to be having a much better time without us. We were we were very alone in an island because we were we were too mainstream to get a lot of independent press, and okay. we were too independent to get any mainstream press. Comic Journal wasn't giving us any love because we were in direct competition with them. And the Wizard, just you know, what were they going to do? Right. You know, come on. And uh, <laughs> so we, we we were just kind of left there all alone by ourselves. But it is kind of interesting if you do the rundown of the caliber, caliber alumni of Absolutely. that period and look at your top 20 comics, it's all the caliber guys. Yep. Artists and, and writers, and yes. To, to, to an amazing degree, nobody got left behind. That's cool. Everyone's working. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. Yeah. No, and it, ma it makes us want to reach back and, and read more of that stuff, and that's the thing. Every time I talk to one of you former caliber guys, it's like, oh, you did that? These are all my best friends are the guys that I met at Caliber. David Mack and Mike Oming and then Draco and all these. These are all my guys. That's cool. Specifically with Torso, I love that book and I love that subject because Thank you. outside of Cleveland, nobody, I'm from Chicago, and I don't know how many Chicagoans really know about Ness after Capone. No, no, no. Even when, even when I, was, I was living in Cleveland when I started work on it and no one, no one knew it there. Me and Mark would tell someone the story and they'd go, are you sure? Wow. How, and they always say, how, how come I would never have heard that? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's so, wild, because... So, yeah, that's, that's, that's gravy. That's always those, those interesting little stories that kind of don't, for some reason, just don't make the distance as far as the public consciousness. And also, I would, I would, I'm surprised that other comic book people haven't seized on even the years after Torso of what happened in Ness. And I know Max Collins wrote a play about Ness's final years, and he also played in, I think, of Ness in the, Ness's role in the 40s during yeah, the war. Yeah, I know war. he did something with the Torso murders, but I never could find a copy of it, so I never read it. I mean, it's been out of print for a long time. Oh, yeah, and he did, and yes. There, there has been books. I've read the books, and there there has been, you know, like it was a &E stuff. You know, they, they cover every damn right. thing, you know. Um, <laughs> so there, there, there has been other people who, who've covered it or what, what have you, but... Um, um, it hasn't cracked, still, the, cracked it, the pop culture skulls, though, you know? Yeah, it did. Yeah, I never just, I don't know why. It just never kind of made it. So, so, yeah, it was great. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those few times in a lifetime something like that's going to drop in your lap. You can thank Mark Andreco for that. He's the one that thought of it. It's really cool, and I talked to Mark about it on an earlier episode, and I wanted to ask you about your design for the book, because I thought it was, it was trippy, and it seemed like, which came first was was Torso, give me the order of the Caliber books. Fire was first, I, I'm fairly um, sure. Right? Yeah, Fire was first. Fire was the first one that did it. There was a couple before Fire, but let's not bring them up. Because, okay. <laughs> um, it might give the illusion, even of being dismissive about it, that I think you should pick it up and I really don't want you to. All right. Because it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, shit I did in college. Sure. Um, you know, and I, don't anything, worry, I'll stay away from Flaxen. you did in college that you want people to see? <laughs> yeah. No. People or work, no. Yeah, so, college radio uh, stuff, no thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know it's, I mean, it's out there, and you know, so, um, <laughs> but Fire was, I mean, I met David Mack when I was doing Fire. Okay. And just meeting David Mack in general changed my life in a really positive, creative way. Really? And, and my work stopped sucking instantly. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for having known him. And, what, what, um, what, what kind of uh, changes did do you think you made? Um, oh well, first of all, he flat out showed me I was inking like a retard, and uh, <laughs> and I was I, even though I knew better, and all of my favorite artists inked a certain way, I was inking a different way, using like eighty-five scratchy lines instead of one thick, purposeful line that gotcha. designated the shape and volume of the character. And he really took my pencils away from me and inked one and went, there, that's what you should do. And I went, oh, yeah, I should. And then right, right away, my, my inking and my black spotting got a million times better. Um, just, you know, sometimes just, you know, I know musicians have the same thing. 
you just meet another musician who's better than you, it just makes you better. Sure, sure. And that's exactly what happened there. And, and I know I affected him on a storytelling level stuff. Um, but that, that's not the question you asked. Yeah, we went to, uh, from Fire, and then I went to Goldfish, which okay. was my first crime novel, straight, mm-hmm. and then to um, a Jinx, um, and all these things. Each one of these took about two, two and a half years of my life wow. to make. And then um, a They're Torso, great. which took a, a long time, too. And Torso was um, probably the more mature of the, of the group, just because I figured a lot of stuff out and was using the computer to accomplish the noir look versus um, some of the other stuff I was doing. And your multimedia stuff, too. And, I mean, I know it started with Jinx and Goldfish as well, where you'd throw in real money. Yeah, a lot or... of geography and typography yeah. and stuff. But, but um, um, I purposely decided to abandon geography and use um, Photoshop um, to create those looks. Mm-hmm. And um, and I didn't see anyone else doing that, and I was, I, was, I was pretty happy with the result. I haven't looked at it in a while. I might be nauseous by it now, but... Um, at the time, I was happy. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wouldn't flinch, man. It, it looks good. Uh, you know, uh, I, what do you know about? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I just don't open them up anymore, just because you know. You, you it's know. like an old yearbook. No, I just go. Oh, you know, I could redraw that. No, no, oh. I can't. So. Oh, you're Warren. So even I just, I just wrote Jinx for uh, the screenplay of Jinx. Yeah, and, I wanted to ask uh, about that. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a wild experience because I'm a few years uh, more mature writer, and I just was able to dig in there. Just like it was, like it was someone else's work. Just like you know, very callous about it, and um, to the point where I kind of want to redraw the whole book now because I think I figured out some stuff that I didn't have figured out the first time. That's really cool that they let you do that uh, because I guess it is rare that they allow it. A it writer. is rare. It's becoming less rare. You know, you look at Mignola or Frank Miller. I was going to ask, yeah. And I think the Wachowski brothers have a lot to do with this. Okay. Um, I, I was actually after the first Matrix came out, I actually thought the door was going to swing wide open, and it didn't, which was just seemed silly to me. You know what I mean? They're, stop stealing from us and let us do it for you, you know? <laughs> and, um, and but, but slowly but surely, you just see a lot of, uh, a lot of people, um, you know, just letting us in a little bit, so. And are they learning the lessons, do you think, from things like Catwoman and, you know, these shit movies that, you know, don't satisfy anyone? I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> Not, I, my brain just does not work that way. You know what I mean? I, I, I mean, I'm in there all day long trying to, uh, you know what I mean, trying to do what I can to do good work. But every day someone says something to me and I go, wow, really? You really think that? So, you know, I just kind of go about my day. Who's, who's directing Jinx? Uh, Jinx does not have a director as I haven't even handed in the screenplay yet. I see. Okay, but, uh, so. Lee Saran is Jinx. Mm-hmm. And she's one of the producers and, uh. Fingers crossed. That's no no bad effects from Aeon Flux or anything like that? Or? I have no idea. No one said anything to me. Well, that's good. I Hopefully not. Fingers I'm, crossed. I'm a little worried. Honestly, was more worried about Domino, if I can be frank. Really? Did it um, suck? I didn't see it. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it sucked. I didn't see it, but every end of the year, top ten worst movies of the year is fucking Domino. Oh, that sucks. Okay. And I'm sitting there writing things going, yeah. hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like so. Uh, yeah, no more chick bounty hunters. Well, yeah, because that's. I, that doesn't. No one said that. No, no, yeah, I don't know. Good. It very well could be the opposite, to be honest with you. But, um, no, I understand. Because, yeah, Ruckus said that V.I. Wachowski screwed, you know, female private eye stuff for years. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but, and, but then again, you get like. On, in a year, you'll get eight switcheroo movies in a row that bomb, and then Big comes out and it hits. So you never know. That's true. No, you're you right. Remember that year the Big came out? There was eight switcheroo movies that year. Yeah, you're right. There was, a, you know, Freaky Friday movies or whatever they call them. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, the ones with Fred Savage and all that crap. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, so, so, and then the last one to hit. So you never know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, hopefully, listen, you can't even say hopefully the work is good and they'll make it. Because you look at what goes on out there, they don't make the good stuff. Yeah, when's so, uh, I don't know. So what? you just you just try. No, no, I agree. That's why I'm not, that's, and by the way, that's why um, I comics isn't a stepping stone. I'm not leaving comics. Comics is where it's at. Comics is where you get to sit down and tell your story with talented people and put it out, and what comes out is almost exactly what was in your head. Even on the most corporate level of, of superhero comics, it is exactly what you meant to do. You know what I mean? And if it sucks, it's my fault. And if it doesn't, it's not my fault. You know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Whereas every time you go out there, it's some mind-numbing, you know, crawl up a... Harlan Ellison, here's a name, name dropping. I'm going to name drop. 
Howland Ellison called my house once years ago okay. just to say something nice. And he'd read Fortune and Glory, and he had told me his philosophy, Hollywood, was that it's like climbing this giant mountain of, of dog shit. <laughs> and you're just climbing the mountain, you're climbing, you're climbing and climbing and climbing, because at the top of this mountain is the most beautiful rose that God ever created. And you climb up to the top of the mountain, and you get there, and you smell the rose, but you can't smell anything because you're covered in shit. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, boy, that, that was it. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> can't wait to get back to the you know work now. I do, love, I do love movies, and I do love TV, and uh, when the opportunity knocks, I will try, but I never will leave comics. That's but, great. Palmiotti was just saying the same thing. I talked to him earlier tonight, and, and he, he was saying the same thing, that comics is where your vision is still the clearest, no matter what other medium you mention. Yeah, I, and, and you see, uh, in fact, that you see more people from TV and film, successful people coming to comics to express themselves. Yeah, and you're, you're helping guys out. I know Heinberg uh, gave you nice, you know, props and everything in terms of helping. Well, yeah, no, he was very nice to me first, and I didn't know him at the time. That was really cool, actually, because... Um, and because just because he mentioned my name, uh, like ex-girlfriends would like Google me or find me and <laughs> and see that I did all right for myself, which is great because you really want your ex-girlfriends to know you made it without having to tell them yourself. <laughs> so that was fantastic of him to do that for me. There you go. And I, I think my mom thinks I created the OC or something. She's not confused about exactly what happened there. <laughs> but, uh, Any other TV that you like right now? Uh, the, the American Office is the only network show I think I'm watching. Okay. It's phenomenal. And I just got Comcast On Demand. Okay. Uh, so this like, everything's just on whenever you want, so that's fantastic. And literally, as I told you before, now that Howard Stern's on Sirius, the show is like six hours long without commercial break. <laughs> it takes up all of my free time. That's it. That's hilarious. I have no time to watch TV. I haven't watched TV in days. So you didn't see The Shield yet? I, I got on TV, but I haven't had time to watch okay. it. Okay. Battlestar Galactica? Believe. It's like my favorite show. How about Battlestar Galactica? Are you watching that one? My wife is such a damn Battlestar Galactica freak, but... Um, it's great. Everywhere I go, people are like, you got to watch Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Frank Cho was on the phone with me. Look at me name-dropping all over the Do place. Do it. Frank Cho uh, almost had me convinced the other day. It's we great, were planning man. planning a little future project together, and... Uh, and oh, that's cool. He was hitting me with the... Um, with the uh, Battlefield Galactica. Well, we got them on DVD here because my wife's a huge giant nerd, so I'm sure I'll get to them eventually. Is there a science fiction story in you? I mean, like a real cosmic story? Uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much sci-fi in comics. I mean, true. I, just, I know I just said that about crime, but it's true about sci-fi, too. I mean, the Fantastic Four is pure sci-fi. Yes, and your ultimate stuff, I know. You said you took a lot from what you've read about genetics and... Yeah, I mean, and also Spider-Man as well, I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, there's always a little gleam of sci-fi in it, and, and what's going on in New Avengers um, coming up after, starting with issue 16, it's, you know, it's big old cosmic, yeah. Okay, because I want Jews in space. I mean, this is what I'm looking Jews for. Jews in me. space. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know your Mel Brooks. No, but I, I no, I am curious more in terms of like a real outer space kind of uh, space opera. Is that kind of story? That's space balls. You can rent it anytime yes. you want. Lots of Jews in that one. No, but for any anything, because like I said, yeah, I mean, you could count the genetic stuff in Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. Well, I guess I guess Fantastic well, Four. Well, you know, so. no one's ever said Super, Super Scroll wasn't Jewish, so I'm just going to go <laughs> my feeling that he is, and that'll be my interpretation when uh, that comes up. All right, fair enough. So I, I think, yes, I don't think there'd be any uh, talking alien puppets or whatever the crap my wife watches all the time. Farscape? Yeah, there seems to be puppets and a lot of aliens having sex. Every time I walk in the room there, there's weird crap going on. I'm not well, <laughs> unclear of what's happening over there. Good for her. <laughs> well, no, I rely on her as my story editor and to bounce ideas off of And every time I walk in there, I see her watching some whacked-out sci-fi show that <laughs> does not fill me full of uh, hope. How about any of the British stuff? Do you watch any British uh, crime stuff? Um, Why are the blood? This is a good show. I'm, I'm not, I haven't watched every episode of it. Did you say MI5? Um, I'm prime suspect. Oh, yeah. as good as television has ever been. It's a classic. Fact, I, ju I just hipped Alex Malib to it, and he's listening to this, and he's smiling right now. <laughs> because him and his uh, wife watched, like, all seven seasons of it in, like, one sitting. They were so hooked. No, it's a great yeah, show. I love it. Love it. That's cool. And you said MI5 you liked? Yeah. It's a good show. It is a good show. No, I'm a huge fan of that one as well. Okay, yeah, I was curious, because actually, you know, it's on It's on right now. It's all the BBC crime stuff tonight being Monday uh, night. Are you watching TV instead of listening to me? <laughs> no, 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 that's not a hint. It's flipping channels, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I have them riveted. 
<laughs> hey, man. Um, let me let me scroll through here. What else have we got? I don't know. What's on MTV? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i got to go Green Acres. As I listen, I, I've yeah, enjoyed yeah. talking. <laughs> well, we haven't talked about powers yet. We should talk about powers. No, please. Yeah, please. Absolutely. I, you know, I, I love it. I have no problem with the ape sex in uh, the forever story. Um, I, I have to admit, though, again, I, I did switch to trades just because you guys are both really busy with your mainstream stuff, and you pretty much have even said sometimes you got to, you know, if, if there's one thing that you do have to kind of drop off the monthly schedule a little bit, it is powers. No, I never said that. I said that um, every once in a while, it just it, it, uh, the book is taxing. Sometimes it's 20, 30 pages instead of 22 pages. Oh, I, well, you, cover, you went to the back uh, cover. And sometimes, sometimes we, well, well, we got so much hate mail for I, that. <laughs> I could not imagine. And you know what's funny? Me our neither. editor, Jamie, Jamie Rich is our editor at the time. Yes. And he told me, he was people are going to be really pissed he did this. I'm like, it's extra story. I thought it was great. Oh, man. People were like, don't do that. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> they thought they were missing pages. Like, they thought it kept going and that the, the back cover was missing. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Anyway, so, yeah, now, Powers is an extremely important book. Um to me and Mike, and uh, what happens during all the, the pummeling of hype from House of M or New Avengers is that people think that you're not working as hard on, on something like Powers, and that could it be further from the truth. Oh, no, and I understand I mean, that. It, it, it's actually, what, what, what we're trying to do in Powers this year is so much farther than we think any book like it's ever gone before, just what Dina's gone, I and mean, you haven't read it yet because you're in trades, but you know, some shocking stuff is happening to Dean and Walker that completely alters you know, what the book was about three issues before that, and, um, and and we're very proud of that, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's taxing. It, it, it takes a lot of work, and uh, sometimes you just need to do a skip month just to um, make sure that it's the best work possible. I understand, and, and I would, again, say that it reads wonderfully in trades. The story yeah. is still great. I did leave off when the new Retro Girl appeared, and that's mm -hmm. when I was like, okay, it's time for trades. Um, I think you're getting a new trade uh, like next week or something. And I look forward to it. Yeah. But I but it's when I talked to Oming, he said that stay off stay off the internet because Power Sixteen ships next week, and you're, it's going to be a big spoiler, Rooney. <laughs> it's a big one. It's a big one. I appreciate the warning. Be, All right. With, with the trade, you're gonna, you're not going to be able to avoid the spoilers on this. You're killing me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oming said that, um, and not that you guys are like anywhere near wrapping up the way Planetary is close to wrapping up or the Losers is close to wrapping up, but that you're almost like at the at the top of the mountain where you guys kind of can see, you know, the, the finish line, but you're not near it, but you just can kind of see it. Is that I a fair way? I have written the characters into such a gigantic hole that Mike cannot even perceive how on earth I'm going to get us out of this one. Cool. And I know this because he said this to me about every day for the last six months. That's great. How are you going to get us out of this? So I think he thinks it's coming, but that's great. I like that he feels that way because <laughs> he keeps drawing it that way. And if he draws it that way, he gets to the reader that way. And so I, 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 I like this. Good. I, I look forward to you pulling the carpet no, out from under us. That's we, good. We will stop Powers when it's done. We won't just do the same damn stories over and over and over again. Sure. I think, I think we've kind of proven that. Absolutely. But um, it's definitely a book that, that once it's, every story has been told, get out. You know, don't do who killed Retro Girl again. You know, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it, it, it'll be time. But for for, for right now, uh, um, it's a very creative experience for both of us. And um, the people who have stuck with it for this long, um, I think, are getting rewarded with a whopper. <laughs> I, I think they're gonna the next three or four months are just gonna be like, wow. You know, you sure. never see Marvel and DC do this to a mainstream book. You'll never see it. Well, and that's, that's the about to do. that's the beauty of the book. You guys yeah. have really yeah, like kept the your... monkey issue. Yeah, you tell a funny little monkey issue story. Yes, it was like a, you know we always you know when you get a chance you always write you know brand new story arc or whatever. Sure. Just, uh, you know help sell it in the fourth season. And um, we were just at a time where I think like six hundred new people picked up the book. Like our orders were six hundred up. Okay. You know? mm -hmm. And which is nice. Sure, but that's a good. I, bump. Did, yeah. I did. I said. I said. Imagine a room of six hundred people. And this is their first issue of Powers. <laughs> They've heard nice things. They like Daredevil, whatever the hell. They decided to pick it up. <laughs> and they read it and go, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and lo and behold, I got very close to 600 letters <laughs> from people going, excuse me, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so, and, and they never stopped coming. 
those letters, and it, it's been a while. And also, the first uh, the first three months, I'm very sure the government has tagged my email. <laughs> they think I'm running some kind of monkey porn ring or something. Because every I, I would go on AOL, and the header for every email would be monkey cum, monkey fuck, <laughs> monkey orgy, monkey taint, monkey, you know. And you're just going to be beeping all day, aren't you? No, not at all, man. This okay. is the internet. You get to say whatever oh, you, you want. You, 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 you go straight. I've been trying not to swear. That's that's what I told you. you. No, there's I'm no. Trying not to swear. Gloves are off. Swear. Can you believe I'm someone's father? Anyway. I know. No, yeah, I know. That's okay. Right. <laughs> I won't call. Uh, you know, the Department of uh... yeah, Services. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No, you're yeah. fine. Well, I was going to ask about the letters column too, and 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 ask uh, how long does it take that to uh, come together? Or is that like one of the easiest things about the book? No, I know it takes a while. They're it's, pretty fun, um, especially now that the bar is raised. People expect a lot more out of it. And I know they get mad when we run interviews or something sometimes. So you don't want to just do dick jokes every month just because people expect dick jokes. You know, it has to be special. Um, but that, that is the funny bit, too. Um, as a creator, you are what you make out of your letter column. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this going in. I just thought it would be something fun, fun to do because it, it just seemed to me these comics are very expensive. And it would be great if, like, every page could be filled with, like, interesting stuff. You know what I mean? Sure. Or, or just fun stuff or... Or you know you're 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 plugging stuff in a fun way, not in a dumb way. Absolutely. And so I started you know just being like Don Rickles and just goofing on everything. And meanwhile, my friend David Mack decides he's only going to publish you know very philosophical letters <laughs> from very beautiful Asian women. <laughs> so lo and behold, here we are, ten years later, and his entire fan base is beautiful Asian women, and my readers are all guys going say thanks. <laughs> And now I have to bend over backwards to keep pictures of my family off the internet because some guy's going to Photoshop them on uh, the Powerpuff Girls or something. So I have to. Uh, <laughs> there's that. So it's a hell of my own making. I fully, uh, I, I completely appreciate it. I wouldn't change it back, but uh, just know that I live in hell. I, I just loved my favorite letter, and your response was uh, it was something like uh, a guy said, I can eat while I take a shit. Is that considered a power? And <laughs> your response, if you remember. Was, well, if, no, what was it? if it is, my entire family is the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny. That I was great. I don't remember writing them like the minute after I wrote them. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I've written the same joke six times because I can't remember if I wrote it before, you know. Oh, I was, I'm like telling friends I don't even read comics. I'm like, dude, you got to read this. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, that was beautiful. Well, the other funny thing is when you get a letter, someone writes you a letter, and uh, this is like a dumb letter, and then you publish it and give one to the guy. And then the guy emails you and goes, you know what? Fuck you, man. I wrote you a letter, and this is what you did. I've been reading Power since issue one. I'm like, then what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, it was a German guy who got really mad at me. <laughs> Maybe it didn't translate well. No, and then he got mad because I think I wrote, I, he, first he wrote, you know, I'm from Germany. I'm like, oh, hey, my grandfather remembers you. And, uh, oh, and, and then he got mad at me and said, hey, you know, that wasn't nice. And then uh, I wrote, not privately, I wrote in a letter column, you you're mad at me. Imagine my grandfather would be if your grandfather hadn't gassed him. And then, boy, he was really pissed. <laughs> that's yeah, it. Yeah, what? What's a little Holocaust humor between fans? Hands, hands across America. That's a beautiful thing, man. That's right. No, that's that's really nice. You know, you mentioned Mac. I wanted to ask about Wake Up specifically because that's an interesting story in in the way that you write and the way that David lays out pages. You know that everyone sees now in. Um, Kabuki, but but you know you see you see that same kind of style in, in Wake Up specifically. That really had to have been very you know collaborative, even more so than normal. I would think just because yeah, of the I way mean, that he lays out a page. Other than myself, I can't imagine anybody who I'm more in tune with. Like I know exactly what David can do, and I also knew what David could do that he wasn't doing for himself. You know, and I and I know specifically when you're writing for yourself to draw. Um, you you tend to lean towards your strengths, you mm-hmm. know, and I and I knew there were things that he could do that he wasn't doing, um, that he that he wanted to do that we discussed that he wanted to do he just hadn't gotten there yet. Okay. So I I did purposely push the story towards that end as well, and um, uh, I was very happy with the results, you know. I think when we were done, I think David announced to the world that he was never going to draw a, a book that he didn't write. <laughs> and, then, and then a month later, he, he said that, yeah, because I did, I pushed him pretty hard. And then, uh, and then, yeah, then but that, now, now it's okay. <laughs> That's good. 
You know, I always wonder. Well, I, I, I did. He said that. I'm like, hey, Dave, that was nice. He goes, I didn't mean anything by it. I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> you could see how that could be perceived as, uh, you know. Yeah, not a compliment, sure. <laughs> as, as the only person that's ever written anything that you've drawn. <laughs> anyway, that's you know, hilarious, man. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, that was a phenomenal experience. And also, we had done other things together prior to Daredevil that was so beneath the level of our friendship. <laughs> Just horrible, bad, bad, bad comics. I won't even name uh, in the fear that someone might go get them thinking, hey, how bad could that be? Well, <laughs> it's bad, so I'm not going to do it. But we, we had a couple times this just the fates had not allowed us to make a good comic, and uh, we wanted before, you know, we had, you know, been hit by a bus or something, had, had made a comic worthy of a friendship, and, and thankfully, I, I think we have. You succeeded. That's yeah. cool. Now, on bad comics, and I won't out you on all of them, but really, is your, <laughs> is, is your DS9 story that bad? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't remember who wrote it. No offense to this dude. I had never seen D Deep Space Nine. It was, I, I was just starving to death, and... Um, it was like a story from a Ferengi's point of view or something. Sure. I said, no, don't look for it. <laughs> Terrible. That and Flaxen. I, I think all I did was trace Deep Space Nine trading cards and tell a story. <laughs> Terrible thing I did. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, the only thing left, I guess, is Spider-Woman. I mean, you know, it's... Oh, you're going to go from Deep Space Nine to Spider-Woman? Well, uh, that's all right. It was yeah, a... well, like, yeah um, I mean, Spider-Woman's a few months away, but um, it, it is, you know, for people who... who followed me and Alex on Daredevil, I, I think you're just going to be very happy that we're, we're doing uh, something that will have the same, you know, maturity, but not be a, a repeat. I understand. You know, that, that, was, that was the big goal. It's an entirely different theme. It's, it's globetrotting. It's, you know, Jessica um, and, uh, and the continuing debate over the size of her breast will continue on the Internet. <laughs> and, and, and away we go. We vote for C. Uh, you vote for C. Frank Cho seems to differ. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> Frank Cho has his own agenda. <laughs> that, that's fine. All right, can I tell you? I'll tell you a little something about Spider-Woman, all right? Please. So, issue 14, New Avengers. Mm -hmm. I think it's the best thing Frank Cho's ever drawn. And, I, and what I was thrilled about was the maturity of the storytelling and um, the, the cheesecake aspects only used when the story needed it or called for it, you know. Um, but when, when it was a very serious part of the story, it was completely avoided. And I was just, you know, and I didn't know him that well, so I don't know what we're going to get, you know what I mean? Sure. And and just really overwhelmed how happy I was with this aspect of the storytelling, too. Very cool. Especially when people seem to label him with the, with the cheesecake thing, which well, I don't think is a negative label, because I think Dave Stevens is one of the greatest comic artists of all time. Absolutely. And Manara, and I think it's a you know, a fantastic, you know, pile of people to be in, in with. But, uh, so, so the, the, we, I see the pencils and I see the inks and I see the colors and I just love the story. And never once did I or anyone in editorial see the giant breast implant that he included on the surgical table where Jessica's on the surgery. Hydra is giving Jessica surgery. Okay. And uh, you'll see the page when she's discussing how she got her powers back and she went undercover the Hydra, right? And, and, and this is a very scary thing. Now, right there on the table are two giant breast implants, <laughs> and we were so looking to make sure her breasts were covered by word balloons that no one looked at the table. <laughs> the first post on my board was, "Wow, Hydra gave her double D's." That's I do remember reading. <laughs> and everyone thinks I wrote it, and I didn't. It was Frank Cho, subversive genius. That's awesome, man. He is. I, I told him. I go. He was the most subversive. It flew right by. I immediately heard from one of my assistant editors, and she's like, did you see those? I go, no. And uh, no one caught them. It was brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Hey, you mentioned Milo Minara, and I, I know you're a big European fan. Is there anything you've read, like, in the last year that you'd, like, say, oh, God, you got to get this for people who... I just bought his new graphic novel, and Alex took it, and it's at his house, and I don't have it. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume... That the new release is amazing. I'm just going to go out and plug it. That's cool. Is um, <laughs> did you read any of the humanoid stuff or you know things like oh, that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I was getting them for free there until DC bought them. So oh, that's well, they're, they... that was cool. Yeah, I got I got a sweet pile of stuff. It was awesome. That's more cool. than I could have read. It was, it was great. Which one? Uh, just you know, a big pile of stuff. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about a yeah, specific writer or all the prints and everything. And um, 
Stephen had made an offer for me to do something over there, and I just I could never find you know the story or something. It just it, it was it would have been great though. No, I'd, I'd be curious to see you working with a couple of those European guys. Well, and I, I mean Gabriel. I mean that stuff on Secret War. That was that was yeah, great no, stuff. That, yeah, yeah, and I liked I like and even Copiel also. I, I I enjoy the, the the kind of new wave of my career is working with the guys that don't speak English and having my scripts translated into their language and uh, and seeing what they pull out of that. It's very interesting. Um, I think Gabriel. My favorite was Gabriel as he got stuck on a page because I said Spider-Man bonked someone on the head and he could not figure out what bonk meant. <laughs> For the life, and he looked it up on the internet, and finally, after days, I guess it held it up for days. This is why Secret War was late. <laughs> goes, what? I don't need to interrupt. What is a bonk? I don't know what bonk is. I go, I don't know. What's a bonk? I don't think you're being translated. He goes, it says Spider-Man bonks him on the head. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but even um, Alex Malib, too, is from Bulgaria, and is a very European sensibility. So, it says, I, I am getting... Um, the best of both worlds with these guys. So. Well, it shows, man. Well, listen, I've, I have uh, taken you more than the limit. I appreciate your time. Uh, right, we, we have, we've drained the battery of my phone. And I, and I appreciate that. It, you know, I hope uh, I hope you'll you'll come back and, and do it again sometime. Whether... Absolutely. And i got to tell you, to people who are fans of your podcast, you were very patient and uh, with me, and I really appreciate it because you did, you did ask me a while ago. I just could not get it together for you, but I appreciate you and your patience for this, and I'm thrilled to be on your show. So. Well, you're very kind. Thanks for the questions, man. It was awesome. That's writer Brian Michael Bendis. Be sure to check out his books from Marvel Comics and check out his website, too, jinxworld.com. And that'll do it for this edition of wordballoon.com. Thanks a lot for listening. This is John Suntress. Keep checking back at the website for more updates on future episodes. Word Balloon is a copyrighted feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2006.